Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Brigham Dickinson. He's the author of Pattern for Excellence, Engage Your Team to Wow More Customers. It's great to have you with us. Good to be here. Right off the bat, Pattern for Excellence. That could have a lot of connotations. Tell us what that means exactly. It's about being the best. Okay. It's really about taking your job very seriously mm -hmm. and having a, a study, making a study of it. Okay. And, and it's taking it to a, a whole new level. So who is this book for, would you say? Who benefits most? Anybody that wants to uh, be a perfectionist at what they do. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to interacting with other people, it's, it's a matter of stepping up. Stepping up and, and performing at a level that, um, that uh, you didn't think was possible before. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the intent of the book, is, is, is to perform at a higher, a higher level. In, yeah. a, in a customer service capacity? A C-suite a capacity? Absolutely. All Absolutely. of the above? You know, when it comes to customer service, it's such a cliche phrase. So, mm -hmm. hey, you need to provide better customer service. Well, what is that? What does it look like? Right. Um, and that's what the Pattern for Excellence is all about. It's about showing you how to provide a great service to somebody else and how to feel good in the process. So before we get into the eight principles, yeah. I just want to take a step back because you have W-O-W, -W, um, big wow on the cover of the book. Yeah. So what is a wow experience in your own words? It's a great question. It's when a uh, service provider goes above and beyond, so beyond what you expected, and, and they win the moment. I like to call it a moment. It's a moment where you either win it or you lose it. Mm -hmm. If you lose it, uh, that's what always happens. They expect that to happen. Is it just based on one moment, or is it a well, longer it, stretch of time? Absolutely, but every moment counts. Sure. You know, you're, hopefully you've, you've, um, you've got the mechanics down to a point where it looks like magic. It looks phenomenal. It looks amazing. Uh, so they say, wow, that's the, that's the response. They go, that was incredible. What just happened here? It was something that you didn't expect. You mm -hmm. went above and beyond. Right. And so that's the point is how do you get to the point where with every person you interact with, how do you create that wow experience? How do you create that moment that you win? So what do you think is lacking? I mean, do you feel that wow experiences are on the decline? Obviously, that's why you felt the need to kind of put this in writing. But you talk in the book about how sort of lack of interaction amidst employees is, is, is the culprit. I would say that the expectation of the customer mm -hmm. goes up. And why does it go up? Because there are companies out there that provide great service. And, and so you think that customer service is actually going down. Well, really, it's not. I mean, when I was growing up, I, I, had, I have two brothers and three sisters. Mm -hmm. and in fact, we slept in, in, in the same room, my brothers and I. Wow. Same king-size bed. And wow. life was good. We didn't know any different. That is until we went to our buddy's house, who had his own room and his, and his own toys. We realized we got hosed. Wow. So we recognized the difference. Um, and the same thing holds true when you go to a Chick-fil-A or you order something online with the Zappos or you go to Nordstrom's or you fly on Southwest. You recognize the difference. And so what's happening is that there are companies that provide service that you didn't expect. You say, wow, but then all of a sudden, that's the level of expectation you've got to meet. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, I was going to ask you if you could talk about some companies in real time that, that are sort of exhibiting this wow experience and, and what makes them different. And, and why haven't other companies jumped on the bandwagon? Because I, I think it looks easy, but it's not easy to execute. No, it's hard. It's hard because, number one, the expectation continues to get higher. Mm -hmm. And number two, 
once you get to that level of expectation, it's you either quit, you give up, or you, you, know, you, you follow a system and, and not worry about it because it's just too hard sure. uh, to train. But what's interesting is, is there are companies like Chick-fil-A, for example, that are going above beyond every day. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a chicken sandwich. Right. So what's the difference? Why, why do they get to charge an extra $2 you know, is that what they're doing? Are they charging on average Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Who knows? Here's what I do know. Right. Um, per unit, per location, uh, McDonald's makes about 2.5 million. Whereas with Chick-fil-A, they make 4.7 million. And they lose Sundays. Why? Because they don't work on Sundays. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do they do that? Well, obviously, the When you said 2.5 to 4.5 million over 4. what? 4.7, actually. Over what period of time, though? Over a year. A year, okay. Yeah. So that's a significant jump that's there. A, What's yeah. the difference? What well, the difference? It, obviously it's the price. But why is do people pay that? Is it the taste of the chicken? <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> right. You know? um, in fact, there are some people who say, I don't know if it's that great, but right. it's the experience. Let me give you one, one example. I um, drive up to Chick-fil-A with my son, who was six at the time. His name is Isaac. And there's a lady with a headset outside. And she takes uh, my order. And of course, I always get lemonade. And my son, he was upset. He wanted root beer. So I'm driving up to the window, and he's trying to explain to me how he always gets root beer. Now, I know that's not true. So I'm driving up to the window, apologizing, groveling, right? Mm -hmm. Son, I, buddy, my bad. Right. Get up to the window. The gal through the window listens to me apologize to my son Isaac, and she takes the initiative. She grabs some root beer, and she says, Brigham. She uses my name, right? She knew your name? Oh, right, because you said Well, that's right, just it. I look at her and I'm going, wait a minute. Do I right. come that often? Right. How did you know my name? Right. Well, I take... I take the root beer, give it to my son who stops crying. I say thank you. She says my pleasure. And I'm going, really? It's your pleasure to listen to me grovel to my son. <laughs> and so uh, I drive away. It took about a half mile to figure out what's really going on here. The lady with the headset, first thing she took was my name. Right. So I drive up to the window. Logically, the lady through the window uses my name. It's brilliant, right? right? She takes a look at what's happening here, what's unfolding. And of course, I ordered lemonade. I would have expected lemonade. In fact, she took a risk in getting me root beer, right? I could have said, hey, I don't want my son having sure. root beer. She took a risk. She gave me what I wanted, not what I ordered. Right. And that's the difference. So I love that mantra, what you just said, Brigham. She gave you what you wanted, not what you ordered. Yeah. Kind of like an aha moment. Taking yeah. that mantra, is that the basis, you think, of the book that can be applied to a much bigger scale? And that's a great question. And, and you're absolutely right. So if we take a look at what she did, let's just dissect it for a minute. Yeah. Okay. I ordered lemonade. She found out, based on her listening, her ability to, to observe and be aware of what's happening in this car through the window, that I was apologizing to my son. Right. She uses my name, and she says, here's some root beer. She took a risk. She gave me what I wanted. Isaac stops crying. I'm totally, I'm, I'm tickled pink, right? I'm, I'm super happy. I say thank you. She says my pleasure. How do you... How do you duplicate that? How right. do you implement that elsewhere? That's what the pattern for excellence is all about. Right. How do you take that and apply it on a much larger yeah. scale? It's a great question. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'd like to jump in not just into the one principle that she used, but, but all the principles that she yeah, used, sure. as well as how it coincides with the pattern for excellence. Right. Because we mentioned briefly earlier, there are eight principles. And you know, I'm curious, the sequence that you provide, they have to be in any order? Is it mix and match, or is it a chronological thing to make it successful? It's a, it's a great question. Generally, I like for them to follow the process. Mm -hmm. And what is the process? First, it's a positive attitude. It's really tough to help somebody else if you are dealing with some internal angst or, or troubles because you've, right. you know, you've got this, 
this uh, difficulty that you're dealing with, whether it's something from home, whether it's um, your boss, whether it's a coworker, whether it's uh, a significant other, those things have a tendency to bring you down. If you can control that, focus on, on being present. Right. And, and, and what does that mean? It means about being in the moment. This is a moment that you want to win. And that was her goal is to find out, okay, how do I win the moment with this individual in this car? Right. And so that's, that's the objective. First, you're going to be positive. You're going to be optimistic. And she absolutely was positive. She was confident in that she had the guts to say, hey, here's some root beer. And she also used my name. You've got to be gutsy to do yeah. that. Right. So obviously she's done this a few times. Um, she was listening. She could tell that even though I ordered lemonade, that's what was on the computer screen, she gave me root beer. She, want, she obviously, I wanted root beer. Right. Please, give me some root beer uh, for my son. Um, empathy, all right, Sh showing me that she cared about my situation, you know, to give me what I wanted as opposed to what I ordered. She said yes. What is yes? Yes is focusing in on what you can do as opposed to what you cannot do. Um, and that's the objective there. And what could she do? Well, she could give me root beer. Um, and the next principle is ask. And ask is, what's missing here? What's missing in the situation? What's the right answer? And, and then, of course, respond. And that's exactly what she did. Mm -hmm. What's missing? I need a root beer. I was apologizing to my son because I didn't have root beer. I didn't order him root beer. I was expecting lemonade because that's what I ordered. Right. She gave me what I wanted as opposed to what I ordered. She found out the right answer, and she responded accordingly. So you have to wonder, sort of, just specifically at Chick-fil-A, you know, you, you th they're recording you the whole time. You know, yeah. you think they're only listening, so to speak, when you make that order, but... Part of their success is listening to the whole picture and hearing something that maybe you know other places probably wouldn't have because they just you know want that extra distance. Yeah, and you might think to yourself, how do they do that? What right. kind of training goes on yeah. that makes kids, millennials no less, right, yeah. do that sort of thing, provide that kind of service? And it's interesting. Some of the things that they do when they're training is they've got uh, this commercial, and in fact, you can look it up on YouTube. It's really cool. Just Chick Fil A. Um, advertising and training and what they do is they have people sit down at uh, certain tables and they put these like little clues you know those little clue boxes above your head mm -hmm. and it says this person has just gone through a divorce um, and they go to the next table and this person has just suffered a death in the family or what on all this difficulty no and adversity and wow. the intent is to help them realize that they are the bright spot in their day right if they want to be and that's just it. They have the opportunity, every person they interact with, to win that moment. Wow, that's interesting, kind of giving yeah. and so the same slices of life as part of their yeah. training. Wow. And so you can say, okay, that's great. How do they do that at Chick-fil-A? And that's the right question, right? Yeah. How do they do that? Well, what we do with the pattern for excellence is show you methodically how you do it. So you ask, hey, is there a sequence there? Well, yeah, there is. She needed to be positive. She needed to be confident, well practiced in what she was doing. She needed to listen to what was going on. She mm -hmm. needed to be empathetic. How do, you, uh, how, how do you provide empathy or how do you express empathy? Just in the way that she took care of me. Right. Um, she said yes. She took the initiative. You know, she gave first, create a wow experience and build a long-term relationship. 15% of Chick-fil-A's customers come back on a weekly basis. What, 50? 15 oh, percent. Okay. Wouldn't that be something if it were 50, but oh, it's 15. Well, 15 it's, is a lot too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more believable. Right. When it comes to asking what's missing, here's what's missing. I needed root beer, obviously. I right. ordered lemonade. Here's the right answer. And she responded accordingly. And then, of course, the last two principles is how do I create value in a, in a unique way just for this customer? And that's exactly what she did. She did it just for me. That She wouldn't give root beer to everyone. Yeah. She did it just for me because that's what I needed right. at the time. And then, of course, she was grateful. I said, thank you. She said, my pleasure. Really, your pleasure. Hmm. 
I like it because the pattern of excellence, it's this wheel. And I do like that, you know, cir circle, you could have made this a square. You yeah. made it a circle, which I think says a lot about the process. C-Suite Radio. We're almost out of time, I can't believe it, because we barely made a dent in the pattern of excellence. But something I, I enjoyed, you said in the first part, be positive. You said, listen to great comedians. I wasn't expecting to read that. Yeah. Well, why was that so important? Why did you put that in the book? People like to laugh. Mm -hmm. And your objective is to connect. People have these emotional needs. They need to be heard. They need to be cared about. They need to be reassured that they've, they've, came, they've come to the right place. Right. And when they don't have those emotional needs met, they don't want to work with you. Yeah. Um, nothing sticks out to them. And so your objective with the process is to connect with them. Sometimes that's through humor. Sometimes that's through empathy. Sometimes that's through um, creating value in a, in a special way just for them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just about being grateful. But that's your objective. That's your goal right. is, is to take every moment you have and go above and beyond. Win yeah. it. I just love it. It's, it's very user-friendly, Brigham. And, um, I always like to know, you know, we heard a little bit about your background and sort of the journal and the genesis for this pattern of excellence. What do you, I know it's hard to answer this, but what do you think is the biggest takeaway for you? Sort of something that you wish you would have known back then in your first business that you're now executing to help others that was so important as you were writing it, sort of like the money, the, the money moment, the aha tenet in the book, if there is one. Let me put it this way. Sure. Uh, when you were a kid, your parents told you to clean your room, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And... If you didn't clean your room, you couldn't go out and play, or you wouldn't get your allowance, or the, cars, the car keys would be taken away, right? Any number of consequences. And so your motivation was to go out and drive, was to have that allowance, was to go out and play with your friends. And so you did the bare minimum. You pushed everything underneath the bed. You, you uh, shoved everything in your closet. Um, the drawers, you still had sleeves hanging out, right? All the wrappers were pushed underneath the surface areas. Um, your, your sheets underneath grandma's quilt, it was crumpled up underneath, right? At the, at the right. bottom of the bed. And you did the bare minimum to just go out and play, and that was your motivation. So it was this obligation that you had to fulfill in order to do what you wanted to do. Until one day, say it was your senior year, at least it was for me, my senior year of high school, I woke up one morning in my room and I realized I was living in a pigsty. You know, before I had no problem jumping over little piles of clothes and, and of course, smelling them to see if they were clean or not so I could wear them that day. Sure. Um, but I realized I was living in this mess and I started picking up my clothes one by one, of course, smelling them. And if they smelled fine, I'd put a hanger on them and put them in a closet. And I look at my drawers and I'm going, geez, this is terrible. And I pull everything out and I fold everything just like a JCPenney, right? Mm -hmm. I fold everything and I, and I color code everything and I put everything back in the drawers. You're going, wow, this... He, he, the guy's OCD overnight. No, it just looked terrible. I, I didn't feel good in my environment. Um, taking the sheets and actually tucking them underneath the bed as opposed to shoving them at the bottom and, shoving, and, and, and throwing the cold over the top. Pushing my bed over to the, crazy, right? Pushing my bed over to the side and actually sweeping the, right. the, the, the dirt underneath and the wrappers underneath and doing a better job than my par parents could do themselves. So what happened was is I started feeling good about what I was doing. If we can help everyone find fulfillment in their work. It's gonna be easier to study it and to be better at it because you begin to realize how it makes you feel. Do you think the key is fulfillment? Absolutely, and if you can give them a tool that makes them, whatever it is, call it a purpose. You know, everybody says, oh, you need a company purpose or you need a cause or you need something worth fighting for. And all that's true, you need all those things. But more than anything else, you need to realize that there is absolute fulfillment in serving others. At the end of the day, you know, say you talk to somebody who's um, older, 
Uh, I've got a good friend, his name is Keen Farr, for example, and he's, he's well into his 80s. He's, he's almost 90. And on one particular day, we were talking about his friends, how they were dying around him, and he began to hint that he was going to die too. Mm. And I hated that, and I said, Keen, you can't die. You're the, you're the sage in the neighborhood. And he says, oh, uh, uh, why is that? And I said, well, uh, every time I sit down with you, you give me some bit of advice that, you know, that means something to me. And he says, isn't that what it's all about? You know, it's not about fancy cars or, or uh, thrill pills or, or any of that. It's about relationships. It's about accomplishments. And so if we can help people realize it's an opportunity to serve somebody else. And when you serve them and create a wow experience, you, you win that moment. Right. It makes you feel good. Yeah. And so if we can change that perspective, that mindset from, hey, this is an obligation, something I have to do to go out and play, mm -hmm. to autonomous work work you do of your own free will, work that doesn't question how much you're being paid to do it. Yeah. It doesn't question how long it takes. It doesn't question how hard it is. You're wanting to pick up the laundry off the floor, not your yes. parents telling you. Yes, you're motivated. Yeah. You're, you're self-motivated mm -hmm. to do it. And that's what this book is all about. Yeah. It's about motivating people to do it because of the way it makes them feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's it at the core. But it, it's really terrific. You know, we, we do a lot of customer service books. and. This pattern is different, and the process is different, uh, and you lay it out in a very easy, easy to read, easy to understand, easy to execute. So congratulations, your Thank first you. book. I'm grateful. It's good stuff. Uh, and if you'd like more information on the book, all you have to do is go to our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.